All right, cold open today. Today we're going to be taking on a controversial issue. Not everything discussed will be PG in nature, so listener's discretion is advised. All right, welcome to Conversations with a Cup of Joe. I'm Joe. And I'm Josh. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Good, good, good. So today, being the wonderful month of June... Mm-hmm. The high holy month of June yes. for some. Uh, we decided to tackle a controversial topic. Um, to say the least. To say the least, yes. The question that we're going to be asking today is what is pride? All right. Uh, pride's definition a sense of one's own dignity or value, pleasure. Or satisfaction taken in achievement, possession, or association. And the one I really wanted to focus on today is the third definition. Arrogant or disdainful conduct or treatment. Haughtiness. So pride is by its nature dignity, value, satisfaction in your achievements, your possessions, and overall condescendingly proud of these things. Mm-hmm. So yes. this is a this is an issue that we face in our culture all too often. We tend to lift pride up on a pedestal to say that it's it's great in nature in this country and uh I for one am getting tired of it. Uh it's just something that I think that God has spoken about how he feels about pride and I wanted to cover that today. Mm-hmm. But as believers, if we are looking at pride in the correct manner, uh, what, what's your opinion? If we're looking at it correctly, what do you think we should be seeing when we see pride? Um, well, I think you first have to ask, you know, is, is whatever you're proud of worth being proud of, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, it, God, is God worth being proud of is the God that you serve worth being proud of um, your own your own life the things that you do on a daily basis is that worth being prideful over and second off like is is pride overtaking the other parts of you know like just being happy about something right mm-hmm. because if you're being overly prideful that typically circumvents all of the other thoughts about like hey, this is just a cool thing that I enjoy doing, right? So that that um, that can kind of consume you, and I think if that does that, regardless of what we're talking about, that pride is going to be a little too strong. Right. And I think that, you know, obviously there is a sense of being pride. Like, I, I'm prideful that I have a God mm-hmm. that loves me. It has nothing to do with me. I'm 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 proud to serve that God. You know, some people are very proud, proud to be an American, proud mm-hmm. to be whatever culture you come from. And, and and that kind of pride is I think a more acceptable pride because it's not about something that you've done or you've earned. It's more about something that someone else has done that you're benefiting from. And that's I think the second definition there is that association. Mm-hmm. You know, but when we talk about the month of June and we get into 
you know, pride month, as they call it now, and the, the pride of sin. And, and make no mistake, yes, it is a sin. It's mm-hmm. no different from other sins in that we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God. I understand that. And I don't look down on people who sin differently than me. Mm-hmm. But certainly, when I look at pride as a sin, the one thing I disdain the most is that it's being celebrated. And no yeah. other sin is, you know, we don't have a murder appreciation month. We don't have a rapist appreciation day. This is not something that we, as a culture, emulate to try to be like. But this one sin, or one conglomeration of sin, I should say, mm-hmm. has its own month of, of raising it up and making it worthy of everybody's approval. And I think that's where I have the problem with this this month as a, a pride month, so to speak. Yeah, well, and I think it's it's interesting, too. When you look at all the good applications of pride that we talk about, um, they usually drive a sense of unity, right? Like, it's, mm. it's, it's a sense of we are, we are together, we are collectively proud of this thing that we have built together. Whereas when we look at, like, the sinful applications of pride, it's always differentiating you from someone else, right? Mm-hmm. You're using pride to be distinct, to be right. different. You're using it as a character trait. Right. And there is a collective in that as well, and it's it's almost like when you look at somebody in school and they're, they're all dressed up in black and they got the makeup and the piercings and they're like, I want to mm-hmm. be different like everybody else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, there's no, work. there's... There's nothing new under the sun. Nobody's really truly different in, in the way we do things. Um, we slightly alter it, but let's be honest. Most of our human characteristics are responses from sin. Mm-hmm. And the devil's had the same playbook for 6,000 years of human history. He's been doing the same thing over and over. Never, expecting Never changes. Yeah, he expects a different result, which I do believe would distinguish the devil as being insane. Um, certainly to leave God. To, According to, to one Albert Einstein, yes, that would. <laughs> so that that last word in that definition is where I want to start, haughtiness. So that's not a word we use a lot in American culture anymore. Um, it, it's certainly not a word that you hear every day. I would say that to be haughty, I mean, the, the definition there is scornful and condescendingly proud. High, lofty, bold, disdainfully or contemptuously proud, arrogant, or overbearing. And if I look at the movement of quote-unquote pride as a whole, literally every single one of those definitions would fit. And I don't think you'd see a lot of disagreement, even from many in the community. Yeah, no, I think they would be proud that they check all of those boxes. Right. So I started looking, and I, I want to know how God feels about this. That's my first and foremost in anything I do. I want to know where God is on it, because if God is in alignment with what I'm thinking, I know that God's giving me those thoughts. If not, then i got to readjust, yep. right? Yep. So I look to the Word. Proverbs six sixteen through 19. There are six things that God hates. Seven things he detests. Number one is Haughty eyes. So we're talking about pride being a negative 
thing and and one of the definitions of pride is haughtiness and the first thing that god hates is haughty eyes Mm -hmm. so i have to think that there's a reason for that but as we go down this list of seven i find something really truly interesting about how the quote-unquote progressive uh agenda people are are kind of checking boxes in the bible um they're they're checking very interesting boxes so we'll kind of continue from there number two number two is a lying tongue Mm -hmm. so would you josh would you say that a man could be a woman no no i wouldn't either but there are a lot of people out there that would say it and fight to the death to defend it right now Yes, quite literally. There's a lot of conservatives that are having um, their content pulled from various sites. Matt Walsh, for example, had his documentary pulled from Twitter for a problem that happened in the Twitter offices uh, just because he had said that very thing on his documentary. So, yeah. A lying tongue is a, a big one, and obviously one of the first sins we see in the Bible is lies. Mm-hmm. You know, the serpent lying to Eve, Eve lying back and saying, no, we can't even touch that fruit, you know? Mm-hmm. So a lying tongue is, is number two. Number three, hands that kill the innocent. Uh-huh. I don't know where to go with this one. I feel like there might be something happening in society right now. Uh, yeah, something happening for the past few decades. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, a... Uh, Hinging on a court case. Yeah. I think they call it abortion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, that's the word. That would be ultimately the killing of the innocent in every way, shape, and form, certainly. Yes. So that, that, so he doesn't like that. No. No. No, I mean, that's, that's a surprise to me. I know. That is, I am surprised. Completely shocked at this. He's not for the killing of the (laughs) unborn. And so the next two, I'm going to combine four and five here. A heart that plots evil and feet that race to do wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at it and go, well, the big thing right now in the culture, and, and you're going to hear the, the statement over and over, is the transing the kids, right? They're, they're trying to push mm-hmm. the transgenderism on children. And yep. that is both plotting evil and racing to do wrong, in my opinion. I, and, and we it would is. say also in God's opinion, more than likely. So. Yeah, more than likely. It's also causing the kids to do the same. Right. So. And it, it ends us. Uh, the Bible tells us that the, the sins of the fathers are passed on to the third and fourth generations. And uh, so if we're doing this in our generation now, uh, and then Josh, you're a few years younger than me considerably. So you, your generation is going to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And then your children's generation and their children's generation will be doing it. Uh, if we make it yeah. that long, if God doesn't come back. <laughs> within the next couple of years here. Uh, the idea is that sin will continue to evolve in a way that will be progressively worse for every generation. And the Bible tells us this, and, and we're seeing it act out in our day-to-day life now. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of scary to look at the world. It's I would say for us it's a good thing we have the hope of Christ and, and know that he's going to take care of us. But for people that don't have hope in Christ, that, that's... That's heartbreaking to me because what do they have to look to? I mean, I think the most 
uh, depressing reality for anyone in this modern day must be like an atheist conservative, mm. right? Oh, I mean to to look at the world around you and see all this and say, "Hey, that's wrong." I don't really know why that's wrong. <laughs> I don't really have any basis for that being wrong, but it, I can I know that it's wrong. Right, right. Can't do anything about it. Well, I, I think it was uh, it was funny. I listened to Frank Turk once, and he had talked about Christopher Hitchens' book, and he said that the premise of the book is there is no God, and I hate him. Yes, <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of what you just reminded me of there. Even Hitchens basically says that. I mean, he, he just admits that. Yeah. So, um, number six, a false witness that pours out lies. Yes. We seem to have no shortage of that in this day and age. You can look religiously to some of the preachers out there that pour out lies and they're false witnesses you can look at i was gonna say politicians um that's kind of a given uh, uh, yeah i yeah, feel like that's, that's pretty obvious yeah so i mean you can look anywhere and see witnesses that pour out lies but if you can't substantiate your lie so i'll kind of throw it back to matt walsh's documentary again because i was watching it last night when they had it on twitter and his premise was simple. He wasn't rude. He wasn't abrasive. He just wanted to get the answer to one question. Mm -hmm. So he consistently went to these people and asked the question over and over. And when he challenged them on their beliefs, albeit very tame, very mildly, they would get angry. Oh, yeah. And I believe the reason for that is because when you live a lie and you believe a lie and you shine light onto that lie, there's nowhere to go. You you can't keep digging yourself deeper if somebody is trying to pull out the truth from you. And mm -hmm. and I think that that is a huge issue in this day and age. It's a big it's a big problem that these false witnesses, generally speaking, everywhere are pouring out all these lies. Mm -hmm. And the last one is it's it's a difficult one to talk about because it really truly is going on in this movement and it is a person who sows discord in a family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's always, that's always the trickiest one to approach to because the family is the one that can push the people that are directly affected by this mm -hmm. away, away from the church, away from the establishment, whatever, um, faster than anything else yeah. and cause them to never come back. Right. Right. But at the same time, the people directly affected are affecting their family in ways that I don't think they, not many of them understand. Right. Right. And, and I think that, you know, you'll, you'll look at the news and you'll see, well, there was a guy in, I want to say it was in Canada and, uh, he did not want his daughter to go through with this gender reassignment stuff, mm -hmm. but his wife did. Yeah. And so they took, his daughter away from him. They put him in prison. They, they did all these terrible things to this guy who was just trying to protect his child. Yeah. And when you talk about someone who sows discord in a family, that's why God tells us not to be unevenly yoked. Right. Mm -hmm. I can't marry somebody and be in, in relationship with a person who shares literally zero of my moral ideals because moral ideals are the bedrock of family. Yeah, no, that just, I mean, that is the most important thing. Like, if, if you're considering somebody that you're going to be with for the rest of your life, they need to have a similar idea of what steps they're going to take 
with the rest of their life. Right. Like this is a lifetime commitment and there are people other than the two of you that are going to be affected by your relationship. So Correct. don't be idiots. Correct. And and when, and that's the problem is that uh, we had no fault divorce come into this country years ago and no fault divorce was the worst thing to happen to America in my opinion. It opened the door for all these other problems that we have. Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to end that that perfect union that God put together. And you're just gonna you're gonna start trading, trading your spouse like they're playing cards. Like it it just doesn't matter to you anymore. We can get another one next week. Yeah, I mean, in in certain parts of the country, it certainly. I mean, it seems to me at least like divorce has become option A, mm-hmm. not option B or no option at all. Like it was often sixty, fifty years ago. Right, and and I would say that you know there are there are situations where that may be the case or there may be you know abuse or yeah um, you know cheating i i get that Mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be at the numbers it's at right now and i think that that has a lot to do with where we are as a culture right now it seems like our moral decline has gotten to a place that would make the people in noah's time blush so yeah well and i think there's also I mean, when you look at the situation, there's a problem that needs to be re- addressed regardless, right? Either either people are breaking up families for little to no reason, and that's an issue, right? And divorce shouldn't be happening that often because of that. Right. Or if we're, I mean, if we're saying that divorce is happening for legitimate reasons, um, why are people abusing others in spousal relationships at that alarming of a rate why are people cheating on people in spousal relationships at that alarming of a rate regardless there's a moral issue there that needs to be addressed right and and the morality is i mean you kind of touched on earlier when we're talking about atheism but I'm not saying a atheist cannot be a moral person. That would be a completely inaccurate statement. Yeah, that would be I ridiculous. would simply say that a, an atheist has no basis for morality. So if you don't believe that there is a creator God mm-hmm. that created morality, you are literally resulting to yourself as the ultimate decider and arbiter of morality, which ultimately you are your own God at that point. Yeah, I mean, when when your morality is based on your emotional state at the time, Hmm. um, first off, I would ask you why. Why are you making any of the decisions that you're making? Mm -hmm. Right, and if you don't if you don't have an answer for that other than oh well, I want to. Okay, well, let's say you want to do the opposite five minutes from now of what you are doing right now. Is what you are doing right now still the right thing to do if five minutes from now you want to do the opposite of that? Correct. Or I I think I've heard it put before that, like, you would have to say that the exact adverse of the the position you take is as equally correct as your position. So you could say that I like drowning puppies for fun, and I would have to say, well, I disagree with that, but it's just as valid as my position position on not drowning puppies for fun and i think that's a ridiculous thing i don't think anybody can live that out and at that point we've we've arrived at the original premise that from an atheistic worldview there is no evil right can't exist 
Right. And that's what got us into the hole we're in right now. We're talking about how the country has a rapid decline of morality and an over-engagement and abundance in sin and decadence and licentiousness and haughtiness to, to kind of take the, the position we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. You see a rapid decline overall in everything in a country. Yeah. And I do believe that that's what started the downfall of the Roman civilization was their, their allure towards decadence. It absolutely was, yeah. So we've been in the Old Testament talking about this. We're in Proverbs, and now I'm going to go right to the New Testament. First Peter 5, 6 through 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. One of the main uh, issues that we see in the uh, LGBT movement is we hear a lot about suicide and anxiety and all these different issues. And that's one of the things that people make it an issue about is, well, don't you care about these people? They're killing themselves in record numbers. Uh When I look at that, I see the answer in Scripture. So he's saying, first off, God opposes the proud. So if you're going to be proud and come to me, you're not going to see the result you're looking to get. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to give you grace if you humbly come before me and say, listen, I know that you're in charge. So come to me. And then God's saying, listen, all you have to do is is give me your worries. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be anxious. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to feel like you're in the wrong body or in the wrong life. Just give it to me. And I'll lead you to a place where you truly feel that I'm here and I care for you because I do. And I think that that is the, let's say the answer to the issue that we're seeing right now is a turn back to God. And ultimately, if we don't as a country turn back to God, I think we are, we're not ever going to see what this country could ultimately become, which is a, a, a wonderful place and a, a place where people actually have the opportunities we once had and, and the relationships that we crave and the, the happiness that we crave is all going to come ultimately from the joy that's given through Christ. Yeah, well, and it's interesting to me how many different groups of people are beginning to come to that conclusion, right? Like you see it with the... Um, well, I know there was, a, there was a group of Muslims recently that, that came to the Lord in record number through mm-hmm. a vision. So, I know that's yeah, cool. yeah, and that's, well, that's, an, yeah, that's another topic that I'm very interested in. Um, divine revelation without the presence of a Bible is something that I think once you understand how that operates, it solves a lot of problems that Christians think exist um, in the Christian faith, and that's that is very interesting to me, but also... Um, with the, uh, you'll have to help me with the name of this, but the, the movement of African Americans that talk about, um, having Jewish roots and being the true nation of Israel. Black, black Hebrew Israelites. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, with the black Hebrew Israelite movement, they're coming to a very similar conclusion where they're basically saying, um, we are under a curse 
because of all these years of running away from God, living apart from God, and until we come back to um, the laws of Moses, uh, the statutes and commandments that he's kept, until we come back to that, we're going to be under this like oppressed whatever situation that they see themselves in. So like even with what I would call semi-secular movements in America, they're coming to the same conclusion now. Right. And I think that that's kind of, so you've got the secular world converging with the religious world and even parts of the, the pagan religions or the offshoot religions coming in and seeing Christ as the ultimate answer, because there is no other option. Once you see the world get the way it is, and you realize that what you've been doing isn't working, mm-hmm. you have to make a change. And yeah. so I have friends that I've had over the years and, and still in some cases do that are, are trapped in this um, LGBT lifestyle. And, and I've had multiple people tell me, listen, I wish I could have what you have. And it blows my mind because they can. And as I explained to them, listen, this is not something you have to be burdened to it's not something you have to be a slave to you have the opportunity to turn your life over to christ do what he wants you to do mm-hmm. and and escape the way you feel currently about yourself because your feelings really ultimately are not what matters mm-hmm. your feelings are fluid and movable and not tied to something complete it, it's just it's a, a pushing wind yeah i mean any Anybody with an ounce of experience in any psychological field knows that with enough time, with enough practice, um, with the opposite of whatever habit you have developed now, you can reverse that. Yeah. You know, and I, I understand the perspective of, well, these are these are biological things that are like, you know, changed in my head. I can't just get rid of them by changing habits or whatever. Yeah, but you can change the actions. Right. Right, and and you can, to some certain extent, change how you feel about the world around you, about the things that you do by practicing the opposite of what you're doing. Correct. Correct. And that's the exact meaning of repent, turn around and do the opposite. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it, nobody says it's easy. No, no. Uh, but... but what God calls you to do is never the thing you want to do. What God calls you to do is the thing he wants you to do. And it's for his greater glory and for your betterment. So even if you don't think it's for your betterment, sometimes you're just going to have to do it and trust him. And that's where faith comes in. Faith comes in hand in hand with you doing something that you are afraid or don't want to do to glorify God. Yeah. Well, and I've all, I've always said this, but they don't, that, that community, that group of people, they don't have a monopoly on struggling with sin, with habitual sin, with um, cognitively or genetically inclined sin. Yeah. They don't. No. I mean, Joe, I'm sure you can attest to this. Okay. I certainly can as well. There are there are certain um, past habits, certainly some current habits, that are very hard to get away from. Right. That take a lot of effort to get away from. And truly, they're never gone from your head. No. But it's yeah. it's it's the it's the acting on that. It's the um, you know like lust of the flesh right. is probably the biggest one for most people. 
it's like straight or gay it's still not good no it, like it, it, i think that's maybe something that people don't understand either like hey i'm still not supposed to have sex before marriage right and and there's a we live in a very a world that has a very pornographic nature too and i mean you are looking at a world inundated by porn to the point where you could turn on a TV now and see a commercial with something. In fact, last week we saw that where you could yeah. see a commercial with something mm-hmm. that would be a, considered X rated in the sixties or seventies. And you know, back in the fifties and sixties, people weren't even allowed to share the same bed on television. Then. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't show a toilet in a bathroom for a long time because right. people were, you know, naked on the toilet. Right. And so now we live in a culture where pornography is two or three clicks away. And, you know, God says it's a sin to look at someone with lust. You know, you'd be better off plucking out your eyes. Right. So Mm -hmm. if that is the sin and we live in a culture that tells us pornography and sex is great and grand and we need to embrace it as much or as often as we please, Mm It's a culture that's telling us that we are, once again, gods in our own right. We get to decide what this gift of God is for. We get to decide how to use it. And, I mean, there there was actually a recent study that I had heard about that said that there is certain pornography that's going on the Internet right now that is at the helm of triggering this uh, trans, I would say epidemic, but this trans culture that we're living in yeah. is actually triggered by certain types of pornography, which blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, part of my history was before I got saved, I was I was addicted to porn. I'm not ashamed to say that. God pulled me out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not where, you know, I don't want or don't think about it in the past, you yeah. know, because I'm not perfect. But I don't want it in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I've gotten rid of it in my life. And that's only through God's grace. But when you look at those particular sins, which that ties into the same sin we're talking about, it's overall sexual sin, which is overall lustful sin, which scratch the surface, pride's right underneath. Yeah. We can see now the patterns emerging telling us, listen, well, if you do this activity, this is the result. Mm-hmm. And I know that the the generation, my generation, so to speak, does not like thinking about results of our actions. We grew up getting, uh, you know, participation trophies. Mm-hmm. And I was part of last generation where participation trophies didn't exist and video games didn't give you infinite lives, right? right. You actually had to answer for your mistakes and this, the generations that are coming up now never had to do that. Mm-hmm. They've been given everything on a silver platter. And, hey, listen, you don't have to learn from your mistakes. In fact, here, have some something. You win because yeah. you screwed up. And that I, think is, that, I think, is part and partial of us going, wait a minute, there are, there are actually consequences for what we do. Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of what we're looking at now with this, with this movement in this country, this movement towards sin. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's sin is general. It's just everything in this world right now is is a very. It's two steps away from sin, no matter what direction you walk in. So. Yeah, well, and I think there's again the, the, within this community, there's this certain sense of oh, well, I want, 
I'm sure they wouldn't phrase it this way, but like, I want my sin to be different, mm. right? I, I want my sin to be the special sin. I want my sin to be the one that is, um, you know, the, the cause for revolution or whatever. I think, you know, if we get past that, there's a lot that, there's a lot that people agree on when they're not busy trying to start war mm. with the other side, right? Like right. you, you hear a lot from this community about, Oh, I don't, um, I, I hate the objectification of people in sexual ways, right? Like this, this, <laughs> I hate that that exists. I hate that it's so prevalent in society. You know, if we sat down and talked, uh, guess what? I, I agree with that. I don't think that sexual objectification of people in general is a good thing either. So there are certain things that like, Hey, you, you sit down, you look at that and you're like, okay, well, we agree on this. We agree on this. Wait a second. You're trying to, you're trying to be different. You're trying to do this thing, this one thing that we disagree on. That causes you to accept a whole nother system of beliefs. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you understand something about how this isn't right at a basic level. Because, you know, you, you scream about sexual objectification. And then you follow an entire movement based around making sex more free. Okay, well, those those two are not mutually exclusive. Like, mm. they, they work part and parcel to each other. Right. Sexual freedom and the advancement of that has led to a culture of sexual objectification. Correct. And so, you know, it, it's like, please just... I <laughs> Pick just, a standard. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just please think. Like, yeah. just think. Well, and I think that that's part of one of the big problems that we face universally is that we tend to you know have kid gloves with mm -hmm. the things that we want to believe we don't want to think outside the box and and by and by in america we're not really taught how to think we're taught what to think mm -hmm. if you go to university they don't tell you how to rationalize your position they tell you how to defend your position yeah and okay, so if you get painted into a corner, just call somebody a name. Yeah, and it's, and it's always yeah. been in my in my day at least. Now I'm getting old now, but in my day, it was the guy who calls you the name. He lost. He lost. Yeah, yeah. but but that seems to be different now. And, and kind of piggyback off of what you were saying, Josh. I I think that how can I word it? There's there's a well, I'll, I'll tell a story instead. There was a person that I was talking to, and we were talking about God, and it was going great. And now um, this person looks at me and goes, well, you know, Joe, I'm I'm a homosexual. And I said, you know, the, the sky is blue. <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, well I knew that. He, well, well, why are you telling me that homosexuality is a sin? I said, because God doesn't change his decision on what sin is based on what your decision on what sin is. Right, yeah. And I had somebody that I had a dispute with somebody who's had an abortion, the same thing. Were, well, I had an abortion. I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. That was probably a mistake on your behalf. And it was definitely a mistake on your behalf. Mm -hmm. 
whether you realize it or not. But God doesn't change his law based on how you feel about his law. Mm -hmm. I don't like that my past actions were a sin. I don't like that those years I spent uh, in darkness watching that computer screen was a sin. I don't like that getting angry is a sin because I get angry with somebody. God said that's paramount to you murdering them. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I, I have to agree with it because God said it, but I don't like it, and I don't have to like it. What I have to do is focus my life and orient it in a way that will bring the most glory to God Mm-hmm. and help me to become the person he wants me to be so I can be used for his glory. And that's realistically what the Christian is called to do. Now, all the things that we've said, mm-hmm. not to say that we are against a people group. I am not against people, and I'll say this clearly. I am not against people yeah. who are in the LGBT system or, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I'm not against these people. I love these people. I am for these people mm-hmm. finding Christ. Because you could say that you were born gay, but you cannot say you were born again gay. Right. You know, Jesus says you must be born again. Why? Because I was born with a sin nature. Yeah. As a guy, I don't know about you, Josh. I think I do. I am driven as a man Mm -hmm. to have sex with as many beautiful women as I can. Yeah. That is an innate drive in me. And I have to pull back and go, okay, well, that is not going to benefit my marriage. That is not going to benefit my spiritual growth. That is not going to benefit my body. Mm -hmm. Because as fate would have it, sex is like a fireplace. If you keep it in your fire, if you keep it in your fireplace, it's safe and it'll keep you warm in those parameters that God gave it. But if you let it out, Mm -hmm. it will burn your house down. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's true for um, any kind of sex. So I want to be clear. Yeah. All right. I'm not against these people. I love these people. I pray for these people. Mm-hmm. In fact, if I see somebody I disagree with on the internet or, you know, anything, I pray before I make my judgment, Lord, please let this person get saved. Please let them find you. Mm-hmm. I, I know that God will honor prayers, and I know that there will be opportunities for these people to see him. But as Christians, the one thing we cannot do, we cannot attack and make things about us. We have to focus our efforts on loving the people who sin differently than we do. Yeah, well, and I think that's it's it's very easy to fall into the trap of uh demonizing people that are different than you, but it's also very easy to not do that when you recognize just how wicked you are. Right? And I I think that's maybe what's missing from a lot of discourse, especially in America, is there are a lot of people that just believe, hey, I, I raise my hand in a dark room saying I'd believe in God one day. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I go to church, you know, every other week, maybe, you know, a couple months out of the year. I only go once or twice. But, you know, like I, I go to church. I'm a Christian. And so these people that aren't living a Christian lifestyle, they are, they are, they are different than me. They, um, have some kind of demon that I need to, like, I need to, uh, spiritual warfare. I need, like, it is my job to go after these people because they're the ones infecting the youth. They're the ones doing all this stuff. And it's like, I need you to stop. 
you are doing very similar things, and I need you to recognize, like, hey, you are wicked. You are not going to be able to get to heaven on your own. Same as those people. Right. You suck, too. <laughs> and and that's the problem. We're all so sinful, so wicked, but we have an answer to how to fix that problem. That answer is Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus came, yeah. and he died for sin. He didn't die for sins from column A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. He died for all of our sins, all of the things that we've done mm-hmm. that— you know, that all wind up under that one category, you know, sin, evil. Yeah. I I mean, I, I I know people that like have cheated on their wives, gotten divorced, ruined their kids' lives because of that. And they still hate gay people because they're infecting the youth. (laughs) Um, Newsflash, dude, you are also infecting the youth. By, by not being there for your children, right? You are also infecting the youth by not raising them properly. You are also infecting your family by not being the husband that God calls you to be. And, you know, something that you said a while back, it, um, it, it spurned a thought in me. Um, the entire point of the law is to demonstrate for us just how desperately we need a savior. Right. Okay, well if that's the case, um it it doesn't matter which laws you're breaking, you still need a savior. And I'll also say this, um Jesus died for what he said on this earth. He knew he was going to die for what he said. If Jesus Christ died for what he said, he knew he was ultimately headed towards the cross. He could have said anything he needed to, right? Like nothing was off limits as far as like progressive movement, whatever. If and this is this is to all the progressive movement Christians out there that think that we need to alter the Bible to be more fitting for the twenty first century. Jesus Christ was perhaps, for his day, the most progressive human Mm, that existed. And he said things that were good. He said things that were holy. He led us towards a holy lifestyle. If he wanted to say that being homosexual was okay, God doesn't really care about that, whatever, guess what? That would have gotten him killed. Everything that he was already saying also got him killed. Mm. So he had no reason to leave that out. Right. The reason he left it out is because it's not true. Mm-hmm. It's not true. And, you know, <laughs> um, it, to steal a term from, from my Armenian friends out there, Jesus had the tunnel of time. Right. He could look down the tunnel of time, see that this was going to be an issue, and say, hey— for all my Christians in the 21st century, you don't have to persecute these people. It's okay. But and he but he didn't say that, did he? No, and I think that that's part and parcel of what we kind of started this whole thing off with, which is that one word, pride. Mm-hmm. When you look at why God hates pride so much, and I'm not talking about 
pride as a movement. I'm talking about the singular sin of pride. Yeah. Why does he hate pride? If you look at the Bible's riddled with examples, the Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. their pride wanted them to climb to heaven mm-hmm. and install their gods in place of God. Yeah. That is insanity, but also the highest form of pride. Yeah. But pride's eventual outcome will always make you God. Yeah. Your pride makes you God every mm-hmm. single time, whether it's David and he becomes king. And now I'm David. I can do what I want. I'm going to send my buddy out to war. I'm going to have sex with his wife. Mm-hmm. Pride and sexual pride at that, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Satan. Satan was expelled from heaven because he said, I will be like God. Yeah. No, you won't. You never will. It's not going to happen. But your pride makes you God. Mm-hmm. Saul. Great example. King chosen, anointed by God to be king. Yeah. What happens to Saul? He winds up basically going nuts and mm-hmm. chasing him, his own tail to go after David. Why? Because he was his own God. Jonah. Yeah. Jonah. Jonah. Go to Nineveh, Jonah. Yeah, but, but Jonah I don't, knew better. Yeah, I don't think those people are worthy, God. Mm-hmm. And, and God had to be looking at him. I don't think that's what I said, Jonah. I don't think you're worthy to carry the message, but I'm going to let you do it anyway. Right. But there's so many people in the Bible whose pride made them their own God. And and the mm-hmm. Bible is that story of redemption. Listen, you may be proud. You may be arrogant. You may be faithless. You may be angry. You may be hurtful or hurt. You may be any of these things. Yeah. But God. But but God is the most powerful piece of scripture because it tells you no matter what comes before it, but God. Yeah. But God sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, but God. And that is what wraps up this entire sin cycle is, you know, but God. Yeah. How now, I, I want to kind of wrap up with this. How can we help those who are kind of stuck in that LGBT dot, 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 whatever comes next uh, lifestyle? How can we help them to find out who our God is and how we serve God and why they should leave an entire lifestyle and a way of life? In a lot of cases, probably their their homes because they may have to flee that sin in order to get away from it. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I grew up around New York, and you can, there are literal streets devoted to homosexual lifestyle. I would think that if I were living in sin in that way, I would have to flee from that because I wouldn't want to be around it all the time. Right. You know, um, so yeah. what can we extend to our friends in this community that will help them? find hope in Jesus Christ? Well, I think it all starts with a conversation, right? Like it all, it all starts with this. There are certain, there is a divide between our understanding of how life works and their understanding of how life works. And like, before we do anything else, we have to bridge that gap, right? We have to, we have to understand we have to understand and make sure that we're using the the correct terminology when we're talking to each other. And I'm not talking about pronouns here. I'm talking about 
like there are certain definitions for certain words. Like when they say pride and we say pride, we mean two different things. Right. So like you need to start slow and make sure that you guys are using the same definitions for the same words. And then you have to understand how they see the world. You have to kind of capture that. And then you have to make them understand, hey, you're not really that much different from everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I think after you establish that, after that, it's just, it's just like anything else, right? You just like, it's not, it's not easy to bring anyone else to God. It's not easier than Mm -hmm. it is to bring those people to God. Right. At the at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit has to be the one that intervenes and, you know, knocks on their heart. Right. And I think that one of the things we overlook a lot is prayer. This is a spiritual yeah. war. Mm-hmm. I, hear me when I say this. You are not dealing with flesh and blood. The Bible tells us we're not up against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. Mm-hmm. This is a spiritual war. They the one of the most prolific pronouns you hear now is them they right. Yeah. If you look in the Bible, who else called themselves them and they? Um, every demon. Yes, every demon yeah. would call themselves them and they because there are multiples of them. This is a demonically influenced. Now I'm not saying all gay people mm-hmm. are have demons inhabiting them. I'm not saying that. Right. But. It is a demonically influenced movement. And what I mean by that is it is easy to fall into sin, but it's also easy to get just a little bit of sin on you and have it grow like a fungus. You watch the wrong thing, and suddenly there's something in your head that wasn't there before that grows inside you. Realize what we're fighting. We're not fighting people. People are made in the image of God. They are loved by their creator. God sees their sin no different than yours. And I think the biggest problem we have is going, hey, these people are evil. I got to fix them real good. No, we have to start with prayer. Start with quiet reflection. Who are these people? What do they mean to God? What got them into the position they're in? And how can I come alongside them and do life with them? And I think that that is the most paramount important thing we can realize when we're addressing this issue. And then uh, we'll be no surprise to anyone who knows me the most important thing we can do is follow the great commission. Yeah. Go and make disciples. How do you make disciples of somebody? Well, you're going to actually have to use the Bible. And and I know that's a novel idea. A lot of, a lot of Christians these days barely read the most important book ever created the highest selling book of all time. Uh-huh. They don't even pick up the book that tells you the rules of the game you're in. And, that is the most important thing when you read the Bible. How do you fight? How does Jesus fight hunger, for example, in the desert? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What do you do? He threw scripture at the devil. Yeah. So throw scripture at the problem. You don't have to pull out your Bible and read scripture to people, but every once in a while, insert a little truth. Everybody knows a few Bible verses. Mm-hmm. Avoid John 3.16 because everybody knows that one comes from the Bible. But if you can give biblical <laughs> wisdom to people, and that's of all walks of life. It's not just sin. Yeah. That, or I should say it's not just that sin. Yeah. Anybody who sins, who needs Jesus, which is all of us, can find wisdom in the pages of the scriptures. And every time Jesus talks in the scriptures, 
if he's addressing a situation, a serious situation, a social situation, he says, it is said. Yeah. He doesn't say, okay, back in Obadiah 3. He doesn't do that. Yeah. He says, it is said in the scriptures that, mm-hmm. and then repeats that verse. These are the things we need to seriously contemplate before we handle a spiritual battle. And I would say that witnessing to our friends in that community is a spiritual battle. Yeah, I mean, if if you think the the demonic influence piece of that sounds ridiculous, I would encourage you to look at any of the iconography from that movement because it's all satanic. Very much so. I mean, it's like any of the any of the major like uh, musical groups, anything like that. It's all based around satanic kind imagery. Of into that Sam Smith thing. Yeah, that was horrifying. Yeah, no, it was, it was. absolutely. Uh, and and so that you're going to see de- demonic imagery all over this world right now. Um, the devil is getting pretty big here. Yeah, pretty and, popular guy right now. Yeah, and he's liking it. And I don't. And frankly, if you're a believer, you shouldn't either. Mm-hmm. Let's move on this thing. Let's show radical love, radical grace, and radical truth. Yeah. Because truth without grace ain't going nowhere. Mm-mm. And grace without truth is worthless. Yeah. So let's look at those around us with the love that Christ has for them and say, listen, I love you despite your sin. Mm-hmm. But what I truly need is to tell you about who helped me get over mine. Share your story. It's powerful. It's why God gave it to you. And love your neighbors as you love yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the last, the last piece of this is there is a large part of American culture that focuses on, um, making, making fun of certain groups. Right. I, I I know everyone is guilty of this. Like you, you joke about homosexuality, you joke about different race, whatever. Um, any conversation that you have, any chance of having productive conversation with these people is immediately shut down. If you're joking and jeering and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the grace needs to come before the conversation even starts. The grace needs to come, you know, when you're out in public, you need to live like Christ, right? You need to show that example of how Christ loved, how Christ operated. Because if you live like, you know, everyone else, you're never going to have that conversation in the first place. And this is something that this isn't even for that conversation at the end of the day. That's just the ultimate goal of every Christian life is to be more aligned with Christ and how Christ operates. And if this is the reason, if this is the cause for you becoming more like that, then that's great, you know? But we need to be aimed at that regardless. And without that, you're never going to have a shot of reaching these people. No. No, and, and, and any people for that matter. I mean, if I walk up to somebody and and I just look at them and go, well, you know, I see you smoking that cigarette. That's a sin, you know, nobody's going to listen to you. It's really important to just love people. Well, you, you shouldn't be drinking that. It's a sin. Nobody's listening. As soon as you judge somebody without any kind of provocation, nobody's listening. Yeah. Bullies in school. 
they're not going to listen. You know, it's when somebody does something radically different, when somebody picks on you and you turn around and go, I love you anyway, let's go get lunch. That kind of radical difference is what people are going to go, what does that mean? Who are you? What are you going to put something in my lunch? Like Mm -hmm. these people are going to be shocked and awed at the fact that God is working through you to love them despite the fact that they don't care about you. And that is what I think is going to be the game changer in a lot of situations. I've had people come up to me before, man, you really love this Jesus guy, don't you? Yes, and thank you for noticing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That means I'm doing something right at least. It is very encouraging that you noticed. Yeah. Yeah. uh, You know, humans notice contrast more than anything else. If you you want to get the attention of someone who is being um, very bashful and um, just generally filled with hate towards you or towards other people, being calm will get their attention more than trying to outshout them, Mm -hmm. right? Being filled with love is going to be much more attention grabbing than trying to out hate them. Um, And that, that will always be true. You know, I mean, you see that you see that with anything, not just with spiritual conflicts. It's like, if you want to win a political debate, usually the person who is more calm is going to be the one that wins that debate, assuming, of course, that they have some grounds to stand on right. to begin with. Um, so, you know, if there are some spiritual disciplines that you want to focus on targeting, uh, having a calm heart, Right. Learning to love despite people making that extremely difficult. Those are the two that are going to help you have as much reach as you possibly can. Right. And that's ultimately what we're looking for here. It's not It's not a time of hate. You know, when we look at what's going on in the world today, there is a serious spiritual conflict occurring in this country and in this world. And there is very little that the secular world has to do that can help them in this battle. But we have a God that is so great and so powerful, and he loves us so much that he sent his only son to die on our behalf to pay the price that we couldn't pay for the sins that he didn't do. And that is hope. That's hope for sin. It's hope for death. It's hope for Anything that you need in life is provided by your God so long as you call on his name. And I think that that's a really helpful thing to end on today. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there for listening. Thank you, Josh. As always, great conversation. And um, guys, go out there and be salt and light. Go out there and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Don't accept sin. Mm -hmm. Just be accepting of the person and fix your eyes on what Jesus would want you to do in any given situation. Get out there and spread love. Thank you all for listening. Go and make disciples this week, guys. I'll see you all.